Friends, I am thrilled to launch this new weekly Parsha podcast, Divine Ethics and Human Justice. This first podcast is generously sponsored by Alan and Amy Isaacson in memory of Alan's mother, Rosalind Zichrona Livracha, who passed in August, a first-generation member of the AZ Holocaust Association. Parshat Bereshit covers the beginning of the Bible through Genesis 6-8, the creation of the world through God's plan for the flood. The pinnacle of the story, as we shall see, is learning about humanity's infinite dignity. This Torah portion tells us humanity's origin story twice and from very different perspectives. The narrative in which God forms the man from dust and later fashions the first woman from the man's side, that doesn't show up until chapter two. But Reshit one has it worded a bit differently. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. They shall rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the cattle, the whole earth, and all the creeping things that creep on earth. And God created man in his image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. This meaningful contradiction shows that in Genesis chapter one, man and woman are created together. Whereas in chapter two, they are created separately and sequentially. Here we learn of one of the most fundamental teachings in normative Judaism, that each of us is created in the image of God. This is an existential teaching and indeed an ontological revelation. It is precisely this dimension of our creation that is constitutive of our humanity. Being created in the image of God is what makes us most distinctly human. According to Pirkei Avot, the ethics of the fathers, Rabbi Akiva says, beloved is man for he was created in the image of God. Especially beloved is he, for it was made known to him that he had been created in the image of God. Friends, all of this makes us wonder, what does that even mean? to be created in the image of God. We don't exactly know what God looks like after all. So what makes the human being godly? Is it our speech, our face, our cognition, our freedom? What makes humans different from animals on the one end and yet different from angels on the other end? The fact that man is created in the image of God is the basis of the Torah. Rabbi Avraham Yitzchak Kakohen Cook writes at the very beginning of his work for the perplexed of the generation. He writes, the main character of the image is the complete freedom 
that we find in man by virtue of which he possesses free will. This is the intellectual basis of the entire Torah upon which all actions rest. In short, if Judaism is about learning how to choose between right and wrong, life and death, the ability to make these choices comes to us from the image of God, is what Rav Kook is teaching. The medieval commentator Rashi gives the concept, Selam Elohim, the image of God, a visceral, physical component. He explains the image of God, Selam Elohim. By the way, it's my practice to say Elohim to avoid pronouncing one of God's sacred names unnecessarily as meaning that humanity was the only creation God saw as special enough to create with God's own hands. He explains, everything else was created by a creative fiat, by words. He says, whilst he, humanity, was brought into existence by a creative act, literally by hand. However, he links likeness to the intellect God shares with us, saying God's likeness gives humanity the power to comprehend and to discern. Because as we saw, humans were not only created in the divine selam, in the image, but also in the divine demut, likeness. The scientific community has a degree of agreement with Rashi on this matter, as homo sapien, the taxonomical name, for the human species, means in Latin, wise man. Maimonides, the Rambam, takes the view that our intelligence is the image and likeness of God a step further. In his Mishnah Torah, he emphatically and beautifully states that the image of God is not a physical resemblance, but a mark found in the mind and soul. The soul of all flesh, he explains, is the form which God gave unto him. And the high intelligence, which is found in the soul of man, is the form of the man who is perfectly intelligent. Concerning this form, it is said in the Torah, let us make man in our form after our image. Genesis 1.26. As if saying that he should possess a form which knows and attains the intelligences which have no body as angels, which are forms without a body, thereby being like unto them. It is concerning the intelligence, which is the form of the soul. The Midrash Bereshit Rabbah expands on the text of Genesis by making the point that man and woman together share in God's image, as well as the image of one another. The Midrash teaches Adam was created from the earth and Eve was created from Adam. From here and onward, in our image as our likeness, not man without woman and not woman without man, and not both of them without Shekhinah, God's feminine presence. From this, it becomes clear that the image of God is not just something we notice in ourselves but an honor that we have an obligation to appreciate in one another. When we do, we grasp the unifying concept, the unifying connection 
between ourselves, others, and the eternal. Extended, the lines of relationships intersect in the eternal you, Martin Buber writes in his famous work, I and Thou. He continues, in every relational act, through everything that becomes present to us, we gaze toward the train of the eternal you. In each, we perceive a breath of it. In every you, we address the eternal you in every sphere according to its matter. All spheres are included in it, while it is included in none. Through all of them shines the one presence. In our era, Rabbi Dr. Yitz Greenberg interprets Tractate Sanhedrin to identify three intrinsic dignities that the image of God bestows on every human. Every person has one infinite value. Two, every person is equal. And three, every person is unique. These dignities, though, are not borne out by how society actually functions. In a world where healthcare is not universal, inequality of quality of life runs rampant, and racism, sexism, and other prejudices deny the divine spark in each individual, it is humanity's responsibility to make real the recognition of the image of God. We believe that life itself can win out, Greenberg said on the Judaism Unbound podcast in 2018. It should win out over all the enemies of life, things like poverty or hunger or oppression or degradation or war. These are all things that Judaism teaches can and should be overcome. It'll take a tremendous effort, but that's what humans are supposed to do. Raviyetz. We are all called to pursue justice in order to defend the dignity of God and the other. A God invisible means not only a God unimaginable, but a God accessible in justice. The philosopher Emmanuel Levinas writes in Totality and Infinity. The work of justice, the uprightness of the face to face is necessary in order that the breach that leads to God be produced and vision here coincides with the vision, with this work of justice. Emmanuel Levinas. As with many subjects, the Jewish tradition gives a plethora of options for how one can understand the meaning of Tzelem Elohim, that we are created in the image of God. Whatever it is, it applies to every last one of us, Rabbi Daniel Rutenberg wrote in June on her Substack site called Life is Sacred Text. She writes, including migrant families desperately seeking asylum and safety, including vulnerable people victimized by predatory loans, including trans teens trapped in states legislating away their healthcare access, including lonely, desperate people being radicalized by internet chat rooms, including politicians who let their vote be driven by money from corporate interests, including workers in agricultural fields forced to labor 
in exploitative conditions. Friends, throughout the Torah, as we will learn together in this podcast, we'll see countless examples of how the obligation to uphold the dignity of all people is at the very center of the Jewish project. I look forward to learning with you.